Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Cosmos, Cosmos Space-Time Odyssey, and Cosmos Possible Worlds. Cosmos Episode 8, titled Journeys in Space and Time. Uh, The DVD seems to think this is called Travels in Space and Time. That is incorrect. That is complete bullshit. I don't know where the hell they got that from. Uh, It is Journeys in Space and Time. Uh, That is what's on IMDb. That is what the episode says it's called in the opening title sequence. It's like, Cosmos, A Personal Voyage. By Carl Sagan. Journeys in space and time. It says clearly in the episode Journeys. So I don't know why the DVD box says travels. That makes no sense to me. But regardless of what this episode's called. God damn it's good. God damn. This episode is so utterly amazing it was so cool it was such a cool episode this episode carl sagan might as well have walked up to me and said hey you pathetic loser sci-fi nerd by the name of thomas michael clark what do you specifically want to know about and then me and my pathetic loser sci-fi nerd brain was like time travel Interstellar travel. I want all my science fiction dreams made reality by actual science. And then Carl Sagan was like, okay, cool, that's an hour. And he made an hour of it. And it was great. And it was amazing. (laughs) And I love it. So, goddamn, it's so beautiful. It's just utterly, utterly freaking beautiful. Uh, so, they start off, and Carl Sagan has this cool segment on just how, like, the constellations, like, again, we're going back to these, uh, things we know, these fixed points in the sky, we've created these images in our head, uh, to connect the stars, blah, 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 blah. We basically see how those constellations changed over time, because 
constellations are stars. Stars, like any celestial object, move throughout the cosmos, move throughout the universe. Uh, they rotate, they revolve, like yada, 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 yada. And so, like, we kind of get these cool models of like, okay, here's how these constellations, these exact constellations look way in the past and how they will probably look way in the future uh we look at how like the cosmos has changed over time and will change further down the line and it's just like it's so awesome it's just this great look at how like yeah these things that we view as constant in our like just brief meaningless lives like we look up at the big dipper and we're like that has never changed in our entire life And it will not change throughout the remainder of our life. We will never observe any shift. Any noticeable shift in the time we're on this planet. Clearly that's a fixed point. But it's like it's not a fixed point. If you like expand the timeline long enough. Like it becomes every bit as fluid as everything else. Like it's just. uh, It's such a cool thing to start this episode off of. And of course you have Carl Sagan like. Uh, waxing poetic about, like, the stars, uh, the light that we're seeing from the stars being from however many years in the past, because, like, the concept of light years, it's how long it takes from light to travel, from light to travel to us from the point we're trying to reach, so, like, if a star is, like, 75 light years away, what we are seeing is the light of that star from 75 years ago. It took 75 years for that light to travel to us. And, like, just showing, like, how, I mean, if a certain star were to just go poof tomorrow, we wouldn't know for a very, 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 very long time because we're still getting the light from however many years ago. So we have Carl Sagan waxing poetic about that. Uh, and it's all real, real great. And then we start talking Einstein. And we tell the story of Einstein and how he started uh, looking into the speed of light. And how he started discovering relativity. And I love how Carl Sagan frames this. This is, like again, like he's very, very good at making these scientific moments as compelling narratively as possible. Like, he's just, like, he frames this as Einstein was a high school dropout. Uh, He was exploring Italy after getting kicked out of his German high school. Uh, And he just sort of had a thought. Uh, Like, he just sort of thought, huh, how does this work? How does the travel of light work? How does, uh, uh, what would it be like if I were to ride a light wave? Um, And, like, Let's just work that out. Let's actually do this experimentation. Let's actually do this research. Let's actually dive into the nitty-gritty of this. And then that, of course, became his life's work. And we got uh, the discovery of light speed and the discovery of relativity. relativity, The discovery of those laws of relativity. Uh, And, like, it's just framed so, so... in, In such a compelling way of just, like, it all stemmed from... Just a thought. Just a random thought of like, I wonder how blank works. Which if you really boil it down to its skeletal structure, that's what all science is. It's just some dude sitting 
in a room and going, I wonder how blank works. I'm actually going to try and figure that out. And then actually doing the necessary research and experimentation and all that and to figure that out. That's essentially what Einstein did if you were going to boil it down to its simplest possible form. And so we get into the ideas of light speed and we get into the idea of light speed travel and this is where the episode becomes so freaking cool. Uh we have the cool demo that Carl Sagan does with uh the almost collision between a bike and a horse. And it's like Carl Sagan on the bike is moving towards and like if light speed adjusted if movement was added to light speed if an object's relative motion was moved to uh, was added to light speed then like we would see Carl Sagan first because Carl Sagan was moving at us uh way before we saw the horse but Carl Sagan would see a uh head-on impact uh with the horse would see an almost head-on collision with the horse but to us it would be like Carl Sagan just swerving out of the way nonsensically and then the horse shows up randomly after a few minutes it's like oh there was a horse there like just and you see that demo play out and it just looks absurd because of course that's not how the universe works and so we get into these laws of relativity that like light the the speed of light is constant the speed of light is constant it never changes it never speeds up it never slows down it is just always like it just always is and always will be that is just a constant of the universe and you cannot be- move at or above the speed of light you can get close you can get like 99.9999999999999% the speed of light but you can never you can never get that last decimal you can never get that last decimal you can get as close as humanly possible but you will never get a- achieve that speed and you will never go over that speed and then we imagine this world where the speed of light was significantly lower uh the speed of a motor scooter and we have this demonstration that's technically created of just uh this kid on a motor motor scooter who's driving the motor scooter and he approaches the speed of light and we sort of get this recreation of what would happen if you went towards the speed of light uh to outside viewers uh, you would just, like, turn blue. Like, you would look blue because, like, you're kind of, you're literally, you're catching up with your own light waves. Uh, you're kind of, like, that. it's kind of contracting. So you're on, like, kind of the blue light, spec- blue light spectrum. And on a back... On a, if you're looking at that person from behind, if you're looking that from that per that I can't talk. If you're looking at that person from behind as they're moving away from you, then you see. Oh crap! I uh, I did not silence my phone. Okay, my phone silenced now. If you're looking at that person as they're going away from you, then you see red because like that's just behind. Blah 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 blah. blah. Look, I'm I'm not gonna pretend to be smart enough to know. Uh, exactly the technical terms, but, like, point is, if you're looking at them straight on, they're coming towards you, they look blue. If they're moving away from you, they look red, light waves, uh, visible light spectrum, blah, 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 blah. 
And then the cool stuff happens when we see the view from the kid on the motor scooter. Where, like, his vision of the world suddenly starts to get distorted. He literally gets tunnel vision. Like, it literally becomes a tunnel. Like, the world just contracts almost in his vision. Uh, and everything in the center of his vision is blue shifted. Everything outside is red shifted. Uh, on the edges of that, uh, of that tunnel, of that, like, little window is red shifted. And it just starts to, like, warp more and more and more. And as you are there, again, weird things happen at the speed of light. Or around the speed of light, I should say. Time starts to move slower. Time starts to move more slowly. And so, while a few minutes passes for the kid on the motorbike, decades pass for the rest of us. And this is kind of the relativity... Yada, 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 yada. Like, it's essentially traveling into the future to a certain extent. And we get the, like, the great end of that segment where the kid just, like, meets his little brother who's now an old man. (laughs) In those few minutes he was on the motor scooter. Uh, But it's, like, just really cool. It's this really cool visual representation of what happens when you get around to... Uh, light speed travel when you get around to uh, traveling around the speed of light. And we then kind of move this on to the practical and we start to kind of look. Carl Sagan shows us plans for various interstellar ships, various interstellar ships that were conceptualized at some point. Some of them are ridiculous. Some of them are absolutely insane. Uh, But a couple of them are really, really cool. There's one, the first one he shows, basically ran on space nukes. (laughs) Like, literally, its engine was just, it's constantly blowing up hydrogen bombs, and it just moves. It just goes. Like, the explosions make it go. It's a ship that runs on space nukes. (laughs) Uh, But then, stupid world peace got in the way, and a treaty uh, was formed uh, to ban the use of space nukes. So now, uh, the ship that runs on space nukes was no more. Not having access to that technology, we make ours out of napkins. <laughs> Please call in and tell me if you got that reference. If you got that reference, please call in. Uh, it's just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I want to hear from you. I want to hear from the people who understood what the hell I just said. <laughs> what the hell I just did. Space nukes. (laughs) What the hell reference I was making. And if you can get it, you're a, you're a good, a good person. Uh, but we see these plans. Uh, one ran on like nuclear fusion. Another, and probably the most outlandish was like literally this like giant, like, 
basic, basically vacuum that would, like, scoop up hydrogen atoms and kind of create this big process. And it would have, like, it would be, like, an engine the size of, like, a small planet, almost. And it's just like, wow. <laughs> like, just, this is excessive. <laughs> this is incredibly, incredibly excessive. Uh, but it's cool. It's cool. Uh, and then... Carl Sagan, as if that wasn't badass enough, Carl Sagan imagines, hey, what if, what if time travel, what if time travel, and immediately he's just like, as far as we know at the moment, travel to the past is just fully impossible, as far as we know, like, there's no way to do it, if such a thing is possible, we are a long way away from it. But let's imagine a world in which we can do it. And he's like, okay, what would you do if you, like, went back and tried to change the past? Like, uh, would one event completely alter history? Or does the big picture kind of remain the same only at one event? Uh, you kind of have to just, like, chip away at, like, this event and this event and this event and this event and this event uh, to create an entirely separate future. Uh, he sort of pontificates about alternate timelines. Uh, he expresses, like, okay, what if we went back and made sure that that big boom of free thought in ancient Greece that the Pythagoreans just screwed up in the last episode, uh, what if that just kept going? What if the Pythagoreans never took power? Uh, what if free thought was still encouraged and that, like, constantly was going? And he sort of thought about it and was like, oh, like, we'd have moved forward, like, 10 or 20 centuries. Like, uh, basically all of scientific advancement, all of human advancement would be accelerated by a lot. <laughs> By a significant, significant margin. And then he thought even further and was just like, hey, what if he were to go back and make some crucial change to the natural selection process? Like, what if some big ancestor of life on this planet you just wiped out? And then you put evolution on an entirely separate path. Like, and just sort of doing these what-ifs of, like, what would the new dominant species on Earth look like? Like, what would that be like? And just asks that question. And then, after all of this is done, he just thinks bigger and was like, man... What if, like, there was just an entirely different solar system? Like, what if we lived in a solar system that was just, like, a binary star system? Like, one of the planets got so big that it became another sun. Like, and just imagines this, like, big binary star system. Uh, imagines a solar system where the planets are ordered differently. Like, maybe the terrestrial planets are... Uh, mixed in with the, I can't remember what the names of the uh, Jupiter and onward planets are, but those, the the, the real big gas ones, uh, like, what if, like, they were all mixed in in the order, maybe alternating? What if, like, it was flipped entirely and the terrestrial ones were, like, uh, sort of 
uh, outwards a bit more, like, just sort of imagining that. So, like, he just goes, like, all in on these what-if scenarios. And it's just, like, really cool, and it really stimulates the imagination, and it's really exciting. Like, this entire episode, it is such a great... It, it is so cool, because I... Like I said, big science fiction nerd. I love the idea of interstellar travel. I love the idea of time travel. Uh, these are things I have uh, seen and explored in sci-fi books, series, movies, etc. Uh, for my entire life and have always eaten up. So to see like all of these weird ideas I see on Star Trek or whatever sort of applied to like practical stuff. Like, okay, what would that look like in real life? Like, okay, what would it be like if we did this in real life? Like, what would it be like if... Like, this was real. What would it be like when we eventually get to that point where all this isn't science fiction anymore and it becomes, like, an actual thing? And Carl Sagan, like, very, very clearly, like, makes it abundantly, abundantly clear. Like, everything we're talking about is at least a century, probably more from now. Man, it's cool. <laughs> Man, it's cool to think about. And, and just the, the idea of relativity. Uh, a big recommendation. If you are interested in the idea of relativity, watch the Christopher Nolan film Interstellar. Interstellar deals with inter- relativity very, very well. And, and granted, in Interstellar, it's more to do with wormholes and less to do with speed of light. Uh, that's how they do, like, relativity there. But they still have the same basic concept of relativity, of time moving more slowly for you than for everything on the outside. Uh, But it's very, very cool, and it packs, like, an emotional punch. And, like, it's definitely, to a certain extent, it's not a perfect one-to-one comparison, but to a certain extent, it is the motor scooter sequence come to life. Like, in uh, raw human emotional form. Uh, I love that movie. Interstellar is so underrated. It's very underrated. People did not appreciate that movie nearly enough when it came out. Like, I remember when it came out, people were like, eh, this is fine. It's no Inception, whatever. Like, and I was just sitting in the theater going like, what the hell are you guys talking about? This is great. This is amazing. I love this movie. (laughs) Like, this is exactly my kind of sci-fi. I love it. Uh, But yeah, all, all of this, like, it, man, Carl Sagan, speaking my language. Speaking my damn language. I love this. I could talk about this and how great it is for like an hour. But I'm not going to because I have other uses of my time. God damn it, the finale of The Expanse is out and I gotta watch it. <laughs> I gotta watch The Expanse. To Speaking of great sci-fi. Uh, but anyway... Uh, yeah, this is an amazing episode, and man, we're actually pretty close to the end of this series. We only got five episodes left, and then we move on to the Tyson version. Shut up, Siri. No one asked you for anything. My damn Siri's going off for no reason. Uh, I'm sure I set off a bunch of people's devices. That's fine, I don't care. Uh, anyway, but we only got five episodes left in this version, and then we move on to the Tyson stuff, and that'll be interesting. That'll be very, very interesting. If you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives. You could be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on uh, pretty much whatever podcast app you prefer. 
Uh, feel free to call in as well. It's simple. It's just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time. It feels so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark pledges a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to uh, the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, Tomorrow, we will be discussing Cosmos Episode 9. Talk to you then.